is another beautiful day here on the Big DK Energy Podcast. My name is Danny Carenter, or DK, as everybody knows, or a few people know. This is the, one of my last stops on my quote-unquote world tour. World tour meaning three hours to my parents' house. And speaking of parents and family, I have a very, very, very special guest today. She is perhaps one of the best skincare people I know, but she's also very knowledgeable about both Asiatic and American culture and how they fuse together. And when she's not working as a sales person at her job, she's being the best sister in the world. Everybody, let's give it up for Hannah Carenter. Yay! Yay! Thank you so much, Dan, for having me on your podcast. Well, why would you not be on my podcast? You're my little sister. I know, and I'm going to be the best podcast guest anyone has ever seen. I have no doubts about it. <laughs> well, thank you for taking time out of being hungover to be here. <laughs> You're very welcome. It was a difficult thing to overcome, but here I am and I am ready to roll. Hooray! Yay! Awesome. So, if there is one thing that everybody knows about my little sister is that she is the queen of skincare. Yes. So, tell us a little bit about where your fascination from skincare came from. Okay, well, I'm not sure uh, if your podcast viewers already know this at this point, but... They probably don't. Well, about us, we're mixed Korean, and a huge part of Korean culture, I believe, just in general, is um, wanting is skincare, wanting to take care of your skin, and it's a good daily ritual for making sure that you are taking care of yourself. It's good for well-being. And I feel like, you know, since we were really young, mom would teach us, you know, brush your teeth, wash your face every was, every day, every night. I was taught to wash face with hand soap. I don't think that works. Really? <laughs> well, all I know is that I've been making sure to take care of my skin from a young age, but my fascination and my interest really grew when i was 15 16 i started taking birth control and dan as you probably don't know uh, birth control like really messes with your hormones and my skin started breaking out really badly and i just had like painful really uncomfortable cystic acne and my approach to try and solve that issue for me was to just Every day after school, I was on my computer doing research about, you know, how does acne form and what kind of factors influence that and how can I take care of myself externally, um, internally as well. But I wasn't really into like eating better, exercising because I just didn't really feel like it. So I was like, okay, what kind of stuff can I put on top of my face to try and mitigate this for me. And so really, I just spent all my free time doing research and I learned a lot about Korean skincare specifically because it was really starting to trend in the States at the time. And there were some big uh, online retailers that were starting to become pretty big. And so I was just following those retailers and learning about how to take care of my skin. And I really found it fascinating with um, Korean beauty, K-beauty coming to the States because it was like a nice little way for me to kind of indulge in my culture um while also fixing my face <laughs> so well it hurts me <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> but yeah so um my i really wanted to emphasize that my approach was to do the research and find out why these things were happening and how i could uh not solve them per se but just kind of and not fix them either just kind of uh help it not be that way i guess okay i guess easily transition k 
products into the American market, sort of. Or right. Like maybe and just kind of like influencing, sort of, quote unquote. Well, so when I uh, came across like these K-beauty trends in the States and it helped me feel like a bit more connected to being Korean and things like that, because I think also at the time, during my teenage years, I don't know when exactly it might have happened for you, Dan, but that's really when I started recognizing my own like mixed identity crisis. And so the idea of marrying like the Asian American traditions, ideas, along with me just being like living in the West and in the States and figuring out like bringing those two things together was really important for me at the time because mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, who am I with just being a, a mixed American in the States? Which, just being a teenager as well. And being a teenager, I mean, that was shit. So, <laughs> I mean, I was emo as hell from ages like... You were aunt as hell? Emo. I was super emo as, you know... Did you get my pun? I did. Yeah. <laughs> Because emo means mother's, mother's sister. Aunt. Mother's, mother's sister in Korean. And then Como is brother's yes. sister. Got it. I now know that ever since, well, you kind of helped the family sort of transition into Korean care, beauty, and, you know, just skincare in general. I mean, granted, I only look as good as I do because of your suggestion. So thank you very much for that. You're welcome. You're finally good for something besides it's, being annoying. <laughs> it's definitely not your genetics that make you look good. We're exotic looking, quote unquote. Yeah. I'm sorry if that term offended you. No, no, no. It doesn't offend me, but it's just joke, kind of... Way. No, I know. Out of all the K-, K skincare companies, I guess if that's the proper term to use, what are some of your favorites that you found throughout your teenage years and even up to this day? So I currently work in the skincare industry and throughout college. Originally, my, my goal was to do film because I went to a film high school, um, but then I went the science route and ultimately my my interest was in formulating and now that I work in the skincare industry I realized that a lot of what interested me about the k-beauty market it it, the market but also like the brands that I was interested in were curating other Korean brands they weren't making their own skincare they were like bringing certain Korean brands into the States, making them available. So they're like resellers in a sense? Kind of, yeah. And so there were a couple that I liked to use, but at the end of the day, now that I'm in the skincare industry, I realize a lot of what is being marketed to you is total bullshit. And the people that are behind these brands, a lot of them don't know what they're talking about. And it's all about making these brands sound better than they actually are. So what are some examples of that? Have you noticed? Um... So this is like a little industry secret, I guess, but in... You're not going to get fired from this, right? No. Okay, just make sure. It's it's just like a general um, knowledge thing, but in a lot of formulas, I don't know, there are brands, specific brands that like to um, emphasize their extracts that they use. For example, like people use green tea extract a lot, um, Centella Asiatica, which is Sika, Um I actually think I recommended a moisturizer for you. Wasn't that Tiger Balm yes. that we got in Korea? Okay. Yeah. And they'll really em- try to emphasize those ingredients and how they're like soothing and whatever their function is supposed to be. And extracts are usually in a formula under like 1%, not at like an efficacious level. Really? Yeah. I mean, usually it's much lower than that. I mean, a lot of the time it's bullshit. And so brands that were my favorite, they're not really my favorite anymore. Just because, I mean, you know, I have my regimen and I know what works for me and what Korean brands work well for me because I I tend to use Korean ones because they're more 
advanced in terms of technology and what kind of ingredients they use. Mm-hmm. Also, you got to support the culture as well. Yeah, got to And it's a lot of it. It's a lot cheaper. That is true, especially since, you know, like a thousand won is a single US dollar. Like in Squid Game, you know, 42 billion won is really like $40,000. That's it. No, it'd be million. You sure? Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty I d- sure. Because I, I did the conversion on Google. Oh, you did? And, and that's 40, what it said? It said 40,000. Oh, I don't know anything. Yeah, honestly, I don't know how they make any money over there. It's like their currency is kind of is kind of worthless. No offense, but it's like I mean, I guess relative to ours, it's uh, not worth as much. But if they're just using their own currency within, True. it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it doesn't translate the same. I guess. I guess. Yeah. But it's interesting to see, like, in comparison to U.S. dollars, how much, <laughs> uh, I guess lesser it's valued at which is interesting to me because you know how like the u.s currency was supposed to be based on the gold standard Standard, and now there is no gold for it to be based on so it's like what the faith of the government something i for i don't know much it's like some stupid phrase about like you just got to trust your government and that they have enough money something like that and it's like a stupid so really, our our money's worthless too. It's all worthless. Eh, I mean, I guess it's the only civil way of making sure people don't steal from each other. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of into the the bartering life. Yeah, I mean, as long as both sides are equal. Honestly, if I think about it, American restaurateurs would have a heart attack if they saw like Korean and their um food business practices because they give away a lot of food for very cheap prices they do yeah and like don't you notice like one thing that i've been watching a lot lately are like tokboki like yeah. asmr videos yeah. and it's just like for five thousand won you know you can get like an entire you know meal for like an entire family and <sighs> granted one thing that i know about koreans is that they're very generous with their sauce very generous with their sauce very generous with their, their portions pop. yeah with their bop with their with their banchan if you oh if for my the, god, I'm so hungry. For those of you who don't know what bop is, that's how you say rice in Korean. Did it's I? rice, and then banchan would be the, the side, side dishes. dishes. Dan, what is your favorite uh, banchan? I honestly liked the yellow pickled radishes. Those are really good. It's very refreshing. It's a very cleansing of the palate kind of thing. And they taste real nice. What about you? I, you know, I think maybe radish kimchi. Ooh, that's a good The radish... I think all like banchan, like the radish ones are really, really good. I like cucumber kimchi as well. Me too. Honestly, now that I think about it, Samchun, our uncle, was definitely right when he said, um, if you ate more Korean food, you'd be more skinnier. <laughs> Actually, so what he said to me was um, when we were in Korea in, what was it, 2018, 2019? Mm-hmm. 2018, that's when I graduated college. Right. So in 2018, when we were there, I would be like, oh, I'm too hot. Uh, now I'm too cold. And Samchun was like, your circulation would be a lot better if you ate more Korean food. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, our uncle's crazy. Remember when he tried to outman the guy by seeing who, by seeing who could go closer to the cliff yeah. as possible? <laughs> and like, you know, Samchun would go very close and then the other guy would go even closer. And then Samchun was just like on the very edge of the ledge. And like one I remember, step and he would have fe- fallen. And I remember me and I was just like, no, like, no, don't do that. Appa, Something my ship show. That's, I know that's how you say like, you know, watch out. Andeo, you can't do that. You can't do that, Samjun. Andeo. Oh my god, that was so funny. He had like his his walking stick. Both of his walking sticks. Both of his walking sticks, and, and was, he was looking all like regal. And was he wearing a bandana or an ascot around his neck? It's an ascot. Oh, that ascot. So remember Fred from uh, Scooby Doo? Yes. So you know that orange handkerchief he had in his cape? That's an ascot. Oh. It's a very old piece of clothing, so you don't need to worry about it. It was popular, like, in the 70s and 80s. Oh, really? Dad and Lori would know much more about it. 
Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, run us through what your skincare regimen is like. So do you do it once a day, twice a day? What time of the day? Something that is very important with skincare and with cleansing, especially for problem skin, something to note is that you should only wash your face twice a day. No more. It can be less depending on what your skin type is like, but no more than twice a day. I know that um, people with problem skin, um, you know, they'll start to feel oily and they'll wash their skin more than they should, Mm -hmm. which is very stripping. And then it makes the skin drier and therefore uh, has your skin produce more oils. And then it just, you know, it's like a constant cycle. So it's like how um, some water companies put chemicals in it to make you dehydrated. So you buy more water. I think Dasani does that or Aquafina. That's why it tastes like trash. Correct. Trash water. And everybody and anybody who thinks that Dasani and Aquafina taste like any other water does not drink water. <laughs> yeah, it's just like chemical water. It's trash. I mean, technically, it's I guess. It's trash. I'd rather die of thirst than buy Dasani. Yeah. Well, that's a little extreme. But so my skincare regimen, it's very different. Well, not very different, but it's different morning to night. In the morning, what I like to do is I take a cotton pad and I wipe my face with toner. My skin is very sensitive. In the morning, I find that um, it's not necessary for me to cleanse it with a cleanser. Uh, Using the surfactants just kind of dries it out in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I just wipe it to get off like all my sleep gunk. And then I use um, a toner that I like to just spray on my face. Um, which is good for kind of just balancing the pH after you cleanse it. Um, And it's also just hydrating. I use a serum. I use a Sika serum, Centella Asiatica, which is good for um, reducing redness and, um, you know, anti-inflammatory, anti-irritation. Side note, the one that I use, you know, rather than having just like a little bit of extract in it, it has the actual compounds that are what the the components that make it um anti-inflammatory and soothing so it has a large amount of those compounds in it rather than just the extract which really doesn't do anything got it so it actually does what it's supposed to do mm-hmm. yeah okay, it's good. like isolated compounds that are able to you know send whatever signaling signaling molecules and blah 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 all mm-hmm. that good science stuff and i mix that with a niacinamide serum and niacinamide um there's a lot of research showing that it has a lot of um like clinical benefits to the skin Mm -hmm. um a whole bunch that i'm just not going to get into but it's it's really cool so i use that and then i moisturize with just like a gel moisturizer because my skin's oily as shit so if i use like a cream it just makes it like really nasty and greasy and so then i use sunscreen and i use a korean sunscreen because sunscreen laws um with the fda are not really up to date in comparison to like asian or europe countries european countries so i just use a korean sunscreen um a physical sunscreen is it like less oily or something like that or it's just more effective they have more filters that they are able to use Hmm, Um, no wonder they're so pale i mean actually in a lot of sunscreens there's the physical which is like the titanium and zinc oxide and then there's the chemical which is like the oxybenzone and the ones that are seen to be um, damaging to coral reefs and Got stuff. It. I personally like the physical sunscreens better. A lot of uh, Korean brands do use the physical sunscreens, but the issue with those is that they tend to leave a white cast on the face. White cast, like, does it make your face paler over time? It, like, literally looks like white paint on your face. Got um, it. Not that pigmented, but... So, like, dad at the beach? Yes. <laughs> 
our dad's a ginger so he does not tan very well yeah and it's just like sunscreen all over his face and yeah it's because it doesn't absorb into the skin which is technically a good thing because you're trying to block the sun out the sun but you know it's not um suitable for all skin tones and that becomes an issue i mean they don't really think about that in korea because it's you know koreans it's a very homogeneous country homogeneous homogeneous but anyway you know what i mean and then that, that became not an issue per se but a call out once that started coming into the states the white cast that it was leaving and probably since like u.s army soldiers started using it for example you know we're very mixed here so you know you don't just have the whites or the asians that you know immigrated over there you know you also have the hispanics and then you know african-american people who, black people is that the proper term i don't know yeah. what to use i don't know what to use nowadays it seems like if you say anything you just will get canceled that does seem like the case but i think the term black black is, is yeah. correct yes black but, is correct because not all black people at least in the states are african americans you know true they are of african descent but not exactly they're not like first generation americans to an african couple per se i feel like that would better right. insinuate what african-american would probably mean then be, that being said i'm not black so i i so i don't know the right answer i tend to see that on the internet that black is the term mm-hmm. and i think the reason that people tend to stray from using black maybe is they might see it as offensive but then that begs the question, like, why what, would that be offensive? Correct. Why would it be offensive? And if that's it, if that black out of everything is offensive, what is the proper term? Right. And so from and, what I've seen, like my my black friends, they're like, yeah, black is what, correct. is what we like to be called. And so it's just like, OK, black. Granted. You know, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if they're going to be like, well, we want to be called human. It's just like, well, if you're describing somebody and, you know, they're black. Right. I mean, God, it's like, well, and that's, and that's another interesting thing that you bring that up because I know that people, have you ever been asked, like, what are you in public by oh, randos? Oh, plenty of times. Yeah. So. And, or like I've been told, you have such an exotic look. What are, what is your background or ethnicity? Do you get the, what is your background or ethnicity? I never get that. I always get I, the, what are you? I get a mix of the two, but mainly it's what is your background or ethnicity? Oh, really? So yeah. for me. It tends to be more like the what are you hmm. kind of, which is so strange. Like I'll, I'll literally be in the grocery shop trying to, you know, pick up like eggs or something. <laughs> egg. <And> egg. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like an egg during these trying times? <laughs> Speaking of that, she has a huge Danny DeVito poster in her apartment. I've got a, it's like a nice Mal looking uh, portrait of Danny DeVito. I had a band for three seconds named Daddy DeVito, so... You should bring it back up since you just mentioned it. I know I should, but I mean, that was... Let's get the band back together. That was kind of a mess. <laughs> but I digress. So I'll just be like picking out an egg at the grocery store and someone's just like, what are you? They'll, they'll what just are... randomly come up to you and just yeah. say, what are you? Just tap you on your shoulder? Yeah, just be like, hey, what are you? And it's like, what the fuck does that question even mean? Human? A person? A woman? Like, what? what kind of answer you're trying to elicit for me and i know i know that they're trying to be like why do you look different for me like why are your eyes like that Mm -hmm. but i feel like you know asking someone what are you kind of makes them feel other rather than conveying like a legit question like if someone came to me was like what's your ethnicity Mm -hmm. and granted like i don't think strangers should be bothering other strangers in public i personally would never go up to someone and be like i want to learn everything about you like i don't care so i don't know why people tend to do it to me or to you but you know if they were to ask 
it would be it would be nice to get the what's your ethnicity i'm curious why your eyes look like that or some stupid shit why your eyes look like that i mean you've been asked that before uh, no i mean what are you supposed to tell them if it's a little kid where you what are you gonna say um kids are different <laughs> like this is what i would tell a kid i would say you know how your parents tell you not to look into the sun for too long Mm-hmm. this is why <laughs> yeah and then you'll have really cool ass eyes and you'll look cool forever the blinking game you'll win every time because nobody exactly. can tell no one can tell and or so you got a leg up or when i did attempt stand-up comedy the two times i did it <laughs> one of my best jokes was that if you're ever high and you're pulled over and you just look the same yep and honestly like that has worked out very well for me in the past um <laughs> just show up fucking blazed and Great. no one knows and because the thing is is I mean, I, I feel like my eyes are a bit bigger than yours, I think but so they're too. not that big. And so people can still tell that you are of Asiatic descent. Right. And I've shown up to places and like, you know, but you can't really see the red in my eyes because my eyes are small and people just can't notice. And yeah, I'm already squinty anyways. So it works out. So I always think it's so funny because like I know what's going on, but they have no idea. That's right. <laughs> that plays to our advantage. So skincare is a big part of our Korean culture. And you mentioned something about you were going through your identity crisis. And granted, you introduced me to the Facebook group Settled Mixed Traits. Yeah. By the way, um, if you're mixed, it's a great group. It's in a very inclusive community that you can really truly be yourself. It's just a whole other community for people to, with that same problem, to kind of just vent it all out. Right, because um, I think that universally what we all experience as, you know, mixed people especially in america is we feel like you don't really belong fully to any group because like for for me dan i i'm sure it was the same for you but mm -hmm. i never felt like in school i wasn't accepted fully as white and so kids would make sure to point out that i was asian and you know living in south florida like you know there aren't a lot of asians around so it was something that people tended to point out but if i were to go to if we were to go to like the korean church and try to fit in there you know they would see us and be like okay i always used to say that um in america i'm not white enough and in korea i'm not korean enough exactly and so it's it feels really polarizing and isolating honestly and so when i was a teenager and like my hormones were whack and i was emo and you're still whack <laughs> i'm still whack as hell but just in like the angsty way i Correct. mean i'm still a little angsty i still love you as my little sister Thank but you're you. also a handful i yes i know i am <laughs> That was something that was really prominent and it also really picked up again when I went to college because I was in this new community and I went to New College of Florida, which is like this really tiny liberal arts college in West Florida. Didn't it have like 800 people? Yeah, when I was there, it was 800 people and I was like, oh, like I like art and music and stuff. I'm going to go to a liberal arts college. And, you know, when most of the population was middle upper middle class white kids you know they make sure to let you know that they are those kinds of people and that they're woke yeah and you know it was so funny because you have the like racist assholes who are that went to your school no no, no. i was about to say like in general like okay. the racist assholes that exist in the world that you know you and i deal with and then you have the super woke kids who are also racist assholes but just in a different way correct ironically for sticking up for people and believing that they're as good as anybody else they want to feel offended for us because they don't think we can do it ourselves yeah and that's that's one thing that's strange and another thing that i really noticed while i was in college is you know so the the, the kids and like the fake wokeness and whatever 
but instead of being mean to me about my race, they would be overly nice to the point where I was fetishized. Every Really? Mm-hmm. And that was something that I had experienced a lot. Can you name an example? I mean, of course, if you're only comfortable with it. Yeah, I'm not going to name, like, specifics, but a lot of the time, like, I would meet a new person, and they would be, like, overly interested in me. And I didn't really understand why, because I was just, like, doing my thing and hanging out and studying and whatever. Doing your thing. And they would be like, oh, you're so pretty, you're so blah, blah, blah. I really like anime, or I really like K-pop. And it was always, like you know, compliment and then go directly into the, I'm really into this thing that I don't know a lot about and that I have ideas about and you kind of fit that idea and therefore I want to be your friend and I want to know you more. And you know, some people might like that, Mm -hmm. but really it's like, it doesn't feel great to be fetishized, number one. And number two- You're a bad bitch and you know it. Yeah, exactly. And like, but the, the second thing is, is I tend to be an introvert and I don't really give a shit about making friends with people that I don't really care about. And so knowing you all this time, that is such an accurate statement. Right. And it <laughs> it's not me trying to be mean or anything. It's just I've got my own things to deal with. I have whatever is on my mind. I don't have time to deal with people who are only interested in me because they they see an Asian person. They go, wow, I have no Asian friends. Let's yeah, let's go get one. Exactly. Oh, like I love eating dim sum. And it's like, OK, great. What does that have to do with me? Yeah, it, it's like I'm not Chinese. Exactly. And so a, the, a huge one was the, oh, I love anime and like I need to get to know you. And Speak- it's like, you guys are fucking weird. So being Korean and, you know, obviously anime being Japanese, it's like I feel kind of bad for liking anime because granted I love mm-hmm. anime. But the thing is that, you know, Japan's history with Korea is pretty right. brutal. No, and I feel that way as well. Especially like- if if what is correct about our grandmother is true. Right. You know how much I know about World War II. Right. And as Jews, as well as Koreans, <laughs> the access kind of fucked all sides of our family because right. the Germans with the Jews and the Japanese with the Koreans. Come to think of it, we actually descend from two of history's punching bags. I know. It's kind of a testament to their strength, the fact that we're still here. Right. Exactly. And the fact that I think that you and I tend to be resilient regardless of that. And I think we're resilient because obviously our mom died and just kind of growing up with that and figuring out how to move on and or not move on per se but live with that makes us resilient correct what we've been able to accomplish and so you kind of take all of those ideas and you know i feel really proud of that you should you You should feel very proud of that hannah yeah you and i specifically have overcome a lot of shit yeah and kind of sucks though that mom never taught us korean yeah i'm bummed out about that every day me too because honestly we could have gotten jobs at like kia or hyundai just to talk yeah but also just i feel like for me it would help me feel a lot more connected to my culture well that's one reason i've been undertaking duolingo is because last year when i started learning the alphabet i didn't know how to read at all but now i can read entire sentences and you know even translate some things based on what i hear but the thing is that it all takes a crap ton of time and you know with all the k-dramas you watch you know you're slowly learning as well because i'm learning in a very formal educational sort of way where you're learning more of like a book smart kind of learning because you're learning from like culture you're learning from things that are directly being involved with you right it's i 
guess, a bit more conversational. You're being exposed, in, in my opinion, to a higher degree of Koreanness, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like a more comprehensive overview, I guess. Being like watching the K dramas, and a lot of them are like super melodramatic and not well, very yeah. representative. Come, of... to, come to think of it, as much as I love being of Korean descent, the way that Koreans speak, they do sound like they whine a lot. Especially it's when they, very expressive. It is, especially when they go You know, it's right. not it's not just anyo, it's anyo. Well, something that's funny that dad um has talked about in the past is when he was learning Korean, he like learned a specific phrase specifically from a Korean woman. And so he kind of said whatever it was. And you know, the people that he was he was with, they were like, Why are you talking like that? Like that's super feminine. Because I feel like a lot of the women they go like like what, what you said, like, Anio. Mm-hmm. Like, they use a lot of inflections. You know what's interesting to me is when a big argument for not casting Asians in Hollywood um, mm-hmm. in the past has been, oh, they're not expressive enough. The stereotype is that we have no fun. We are also completely strict. We have no humor. We don't know how to loosen up. We're only interested in business or grades. That kind of shows that we're not fun people to be around. I, and I feel like that was a major stereotype for a reason or, or for a long time. And then kind of, I feel like Gangnam Style kind of loosened that up because they go, wait yeah. a minute, an Asian guy that isn't completely sour and actually has emotions and can be funny? This doesn't make any sense. Right. It's interesting to see how much Korean culture has come to the forefront in very in recent, the states. Very recently, too. Yeah, within the past couple of years, like, and then recently just really blew up with Squid Game. I bet people are super tired of hearing that, but we're Korean, so we're you're gonna hear it, right? And something that I think about when I think about how much that has come into everyday life in the states is I don't know if this ever happened to you, Dan, but in kindergarten i would bring korean food from home and all the kids would go oh like that's so stinky that looks so weird i don't know what that is i remember begging mom to get me lunchables and like kids cuisines because i didn't want to bring my stinky food and kids will be kids and they're assholes anyways Yeah, exactly kids are stupid right but i think about if what's going on now with korean culture in the states was happening back then like i never would have had to experience that kind of i didn't experience it like that per Mm -hmm. se however in middle school i went to a heavily what's the proper term for it i went to a very hood middle school at least a good 75 to 80 percent of the school was um haitian so granted i don't think they ever met asian people but i would always get comments from the kids be like hey boy you chinese oh actually one time somebody asked me if i spoke asian and then i and i actually said back to them i don't know do you speak black I feel like that's an appropriate response to that. That's like, um, Zoe asked me, she's like, Hannah, are you from Asia or China? When she was maybe 10 years old. I feel like that's a question she'd ask now. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Zoe. Love you, Zoe. You know, she asked me that question and I was like, there were just so many, you know, that meme of like the woman and like the mathematical equations yeah. floating around her head. Just thinking, what? just trying to figure out, trying like, to compute. Did you just say what I thought you just said? And I remember, I don't even think I answered her. I just like walked away. I'm pretty sure. Got it. I really hope black viewers aren't, inf- aren't offended by my response, but it's like, that was appropriate. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I that's kind of one thing that we all have in common is that as much as we don't have the same de- degree or severity of stereotypes, it's like as any kind of minority, we can all kind of bond over the fact that we're not really fully accepted 
in the states well yeah i feel like it's uh it's important to give context because you know like in facebook comments i see this a lot of the time when in articles and posts about cultural appropriation mm-hmm. where let's say for example someone wants to like wear a kimono and is super weird and racist about it and is named karen right and is named karen karen smith right something like karen smith bullshit blonde woman and people from japan specifically will comment and be like i don't see a problem with this i love sharing my culture and it's easy to say when tourists specifically choose japan to go to because they're interested in the culture Mm -hmm. and they want to engage whereas in the states people want to take from other people and act like it's theirs I mean, it's pretty messed up, but the thing that makes it (laughs) wrong is that these people, when they're presenting their own culture, have been made fun of in the past. And people make sure to make them think that they're other and like outsiders. But then once the white woman comes in taking it for herself, that's when it becomes cool and noticeable. And that's not cool. Like, that's not okay. The reason why I was laughing before is not because of what you were saying, but it reminded me of On Subtle Mixed Trait when they brought up. So there was this one woman named Karen. And so there is this, um, there's a rice porridge out of, I believe, Southeast Asia. And it's called Kanji, Kangi. Mm-hmm. And it, and so this woman named Karen, she fits the description in every bell and whistle possible. Right. And she decided to make kanji quote-unquote better by making it more palatable for a western consumer base and because you know she was her goal was to make it quote-unquote better she received a lot of flack even though i never personally have had the rice porridge granted if kanji has been around for a thousand years i don't think there's anything wrong with it i just think that you just think that you can make anything better because life is whatever you make it and if i go for it i can do it right and like really it just it it shows like the sense of entitlement like oh i don't like this thing that has nothing to do with me i'm gonna take it and make it better quote unquote quote right like quote unquote better what does that what does that even mean better better for whom you know i mean better for you it's not for you it's for the people who've been eating it for a thousand years exactly and it's like karen get the hell out of here like no one asked you to do this it's one thing to be like i love kanji and she just eats it all the time and she makes it (laughs) you know yeah exactly and she has her own blog about how she like went to southeast asia and you know learned from the best kind of thing right exactly like to appreciate it but to take it and be like you guys aren't doing good enough here or it's like or it's like i guess you guys have been doing it correctly but let me take over it's like what do you know about kanji besides the one article you read for five minutes on the toilet once dang we're getting really fired up about this i know but it's because the thing is that's interesting about it i think there's a lot of nuance in the argument, which is why there's a lot of things to to touch upon in something like that. Because if you look at cultural appropriation as like a blanket term, people are like, uh, it's not what you say it is and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, here's why it's an issue. And I feel like it's easy to get heated about it because you bring up all these points and then you're like, yeah, like it is an issue because there's a lot of underlying things going on that people don't and then when some minorities are actually defending their culture i feel like they're often gaslighted even though you're from china what do you know about chinese culture (laughs) exactly it's like i have a chinese best friend and so therefore i can speak for them i'm not a racist i have a black friend and it's like all right i'm equal in the fact that i hate everybody the same exactly like everyone's garbage regardless of who you are heck even i have some garbage qualities but you know what I, you know everyone does i'm just gonna embrace it i certainly have some garbage qualities as well but you know what besides being stinky that is the number one garbage quality that i have stinky being stinky yay 
That's what family's for. It's kind of ironic because in Korean culture, they're super about eating pork, and yet the other side of our culture, <laughs> we're Jewish and they're completely kosher, so pork's not even allowed to be eaten. It's a really good thing Granny and Poppy, our dad's parents, the Jewish side at least, it's a good thing they didn't keep kosher, otherwise if they saw what mom's family ate, they probably would have had a heart attack and said, Jeff, you can't marry this woman. Yeah, it's very interesting, like our our cultural backgrounds. I realized we both had our 100-day celebrations. For those of you who don't know, Koreans, it is a very special day when a child turns 100 days old. I don't know why that is such a big thing, but it just is. And there's a huge celebration. It's not like a bar bat mitzvah, but you know, it's a big party where you're celebrated. I believe it's because they take the gestation period and your time in the womb. They consider that as year one right? Well, when you get to your 100 days, that's when you turn one, when you're doing the Korean age. So they're taking into consideration the nine months that you're in the womb, plus the 100 days, and they're like, okay, now you're one years old. And that's why a lot of people are older in Korea by a year. Right, yeah, it, it's because of that. And I'm not really sure why that's the case. I feel oh. like that'd be something interesting to read up on. Also, but... don't they have lunar birthdays as well? I yeah, think so. I don't know if dad said this specifically, but he said like mom had two birthdays. Mom has like 10 birthdays. Right? And I don't know what any of them are. Exactly, because Koreans go by a lunar calendar, but then they, you go by the Gregorian cal calendar that all Westerners use, use. And so we actually don't know our mother's birthday. Well, I know that someone knows it, but the thing is, is I'm pretty sure also when she was born, it's not like that day... She was giving a birth certificate with her actual date on it. I think that's what dad said. Well, true. And also, she's from a rural vill village in Korea. Exactly. So they might not even have the correct date on the birth certificate. Because I think it, the way it worked is they made it for the day that the certificate was made. Like mm -hmm. she was born that day rather than the actual day she was born. Fair enough. So it's just interesting. Hmm. It's weird, though. You know how Americans love to celebrate their birth week? Right. Well, oh my God, if they... It, <laughs> I feel like if they were Korean, they'd be celebrating every week. Because I feel like every week they'd be like, It's my 36th week of my 27th birthday, so therefore we're going to party. Or it's like, it's my half birthday, and then... Right. People can do whatever they want, but it's just... It boggles me. Because if I was ever in that situation, I, and I dropped like, you know, $1,000 in one night just to, just to say it was like a few weeks into my birthday. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like that's a very odd use of my my resources. I agree. So going back to skincare and uh, Korean culture, you, when you were at a uh, new college, you also had a thesis about skincare. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Like I was saying before, how originally I was going to go to film school because I went to the film high school. Right before I got into college, dad let me go out to one of his labs in Canada, one of the cannabis labs. And I just kind of watched the chemists and the there was a microbiologist do their work and so i thought it was really cool like we were doing some antimicrobial experiments with different compounds um in cannabis and also in hops which is a very close relative to the cannabis plant which really is, so what makes beer is also related to a pot yeah i huh. mean the, the plants yeah well of course which yeah. is i think also similarly similarly related to tomatoes hmm or maybe just tomatoes has, like, some specific antimicrobial properties that they were trying to... Well, I know what I'm going to roll up later. Hey. Just slice up some tomatoes, put it in a J, and just smoke that. I should be just good. Get <laughs> high get, as hell. You can get tomato high. Yay! Yay! Right, so I went out to the lab. Um, we did some cool antimicrobial experiments that we were setting up. 
And another thing that was interesting is one of the chemists was working on skincare formulation and specifically was looking at liposomes, which is like a delivery system. It like encapsulates whatever compound you're trying to deliver. Mm-hmm. And she was looking at that sort of technology and something that she wanted to do with that was to take cannabis compounds like CBD, THC, whatever, put it into this delivery system and apply it in skincare. And so I thought that was really cool. And so... I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to study science and go the skincare route. Mm -hmm. And I knew that one of the requirements for graduating from new college was to write a thesis. And so my whole plan, the four years there, was I'm going to look at how cannabis compounds affect the skin when applied topically. Interesting. It's kind of, sorry, before you go into that, I just find it really ironic that you wanted to go into film and therefore you went to a liberal arts school only to do science. I know. Yeah. It's kind of stupid really, but because the thing is, is I didn't have as many resources as I would have liked to. Oh, got it. But it's stupid to go to liberal arts school for science. But hey, you got a thesis out of it. So you were saying, sorry about that. Oh no, it's okay. Um, yeah. And I really liked writing my thesis, but So obviously I couldn't do like any experiments because it's weed, but what I did instead was a lit review. And so basically I read a bunch of articles about the endocannabinoid system and like cannabis as a plant and what kind of compounds and how these compounds are produced within the plant and different kinds. I was looking specifically at inflammatory skin disorders Mm -hmm. and I looked at psoriasis and acne because acne is technically an inflammation-based disorder. And so I was looking at different studies that other people conducted about applying cannabinoids onto the skin or in skin cell models and how that affected the skin or the models. And I basically compiled all of that information and tried to, on paper, formulate different uh, topical formulas for these different treatments saying okay taking this information that i've learned what kind of compounds would i use plus what kind of delivery system plus what kind of base would i try to use and formulate in order to achieve this desired result so if i was trying to treat acne i would do this or you know psoriasis i'd do this and so that was really fun i really liked writing my thesis um I felt like it was very rewarding. I have no doubts. Just hearing writing a thesis gives me an aneurysm. And the fact that you were able to not only undertake it, but you succeeded at it. You've successfully defended it to the point where you were able to graduate. Right. That's not an easy thing to do, Hannah. I hope you're really proud of yourself for doing that. I am. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it it was a lot of hard work and it was very stressful, but it was so rewarding and awesome. And the the difficult thing is that I finished up my thesis during like peak COVID, like the beginning of COVID mm-hmm. in lockdown, sent back home and I was just trying to finish it up. And it was so, it was really depressing, honestly, just being in that kind of environment, trying to finish up this thing that I'd worked so hard for. And I knew I wasn't going to get a graduation and I knew I wasn't going to see my friends again. And so it was really difficult to do, but I was able to get it done, which was really cool. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I love how we're talking about our cultures. Yeah. Because, you know, Grant said, yes, there's a lot of baggage from being multicultural and right. being and being multi-ethnic, I guess is the proper term or improper. Kind of adds a degree of coolness. For example, you know, I could appreciate deli food, but at the same time, the headband that I'm wearing right now by Junk, by the way, one of my favorite brands of all time. It's a tiger, but I didn't just wear that because it's cool looking. I wore it because it's also the national animal of South Korea. 
Do you know how to say tiger in Korean? Tiger. <laughs> tiger. No, it's actually horangi. Horangi. Horang. Horangi. 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 And also, dragon is just yong. Yong. Just yong. Y O N G. Yong. That's dragon. Y O N G. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. That's, I'm gonna name myself yong. And actually, if I ever own a boat, I'm gonna name it the kabugi, which means turtle. Do you know what the significance of that is? Good luck, right? Uh, no. It's, oh. I don't know if turtles are good luck, but actually in the first invasion of the Japanese. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. Well, I'm just still going to explain yes, it because, it. <laughs> because not everybody will know this, but after the Sekigohara, which, which is the hundred years Japanese civil war that eventually unified the nation under Oda Nobunaga, he decided that he wanted to spread his empire. So he sent a letter to Korea saying, hey, we're going to march our armies through to potentially take over China. Of course, Korea was not cool with that, especially since that China and Korea were I wouldn't say allies, but were um, business interests. That was kind of their buffer state between the sea and then Japan. So Japan decided to invade Korea. And the thing is that Koreans, not to say they were pussies, but, you know, they were. And between a corrupt government and not having a very strong military leadership, when the Japanese initially invaded, they pushed so far into the, the country that the royalty eventually landed at a border town that was like a few miles away from China. Mm-hmm. And so the only reason why Korea was even able to even fight back whatsoever is because of this one officer named Admiral Yi Sun Sin. Right. And he is a national hero in Korea and is even known as the martial lord of loyalty. Because as corrupt as the Confucian government was at the time, mm-hmm. he was so unwaveringly lo- loyal to Korea that no matter what kind of crap he got, his heart was in the defense of his country. He has never been defeated in battle. And so... He created these ships called turtle ships that were very advanced for the time, especially for the fact that it had like an iron roof over the main hull of of the boat. And so therefore, Japanese Japanese sailors could not board the vessel. Right. And so with those boats, he was able to eventually, in very short terms, push back the Japanese, of course, with some Chinese help and then save Korea. So that's so not only is it just a cute little name, it also has historical meaning. Yay. And then we were born. Correct. I assumed it was good luck because Emo gave me an earring mm-hmm. that was a turtle, and she was like, it's good luck. Well, so, but well, maybe that was just her being. If Emo says aunt. it's good luck, it's good luck. It's good luck. So, turtle equals ship and luck. Correct. Not saying that Kabugi is, you know, ship in Korean, but that's what I would name my boat I if keep, I ever get there. I keep thinking that you're saying meat. Meat? Yeah. Gogi? Oh, no, it's true. <laughs> I just wait, keep thinking about meat in my head. Wait, kabugi, kogi? I guess you can. I guess it's kind of there. I'm thinking like bukogi. Okay, fair enough. And then I'm thinking about barbecue grill right now. Mm. If there's one thing that a lot of people know Koreans for is that we have great cuisine. KBBQ, baby. And also KFC, Korean fried chicken is also oh, heavily so, underrated. It's so good. There's actually a couple of good places in Orlando that really? um is right nearby me. In fact, I order from there quite a few times actually. And they also have radish kimchi and they have tteokbokki as well. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, I wish there were more down here. There's the one restaurant that I order from every week. Also, Maybe I'm going to order from them today. Why not? Just sucks. One thing about Korean barbecue is that it's just so expensive. Oh, it's so expensive, but it's so tasty. There's actually, we should go, Dan. There's one in Boynton Beach on Congress across from the, the mall. Mm-hmm. The Boynton Beach Mall. Oh, 
My favorite place in the world. When ago. isn't there a shooting there? 561, baby. 561! Represent. We're also proud of our South Florida roots. What does that mean? Nothing. It absolutely <laughs> means trash. It's really funny you mentioned that because I feel like if we learned Korean from our family, we would sound very rural. Yeah, and because they grew up in the countryside. There was this one movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger before he became a huge actor. The Terminator? Actor, it was not The Terminator. So this was Arnold when he first became famous for weightlifting. So there was this one movie called Pumping Iron and essentially just revolutionized, you know, bodybuilding in general. Sorry. Go. I was just going to make a joke about roids. Go ahead. And I lost it. Sorry, continue. <laughs> so when Arnold was in the movie, he just recently came to America, so he had to do the whole thing in English. But the thing is that mm. um, where he was from in Austria, it was a very rural part of that country. So the thing is that they would not allow him to translate it into German because it kind of it would sound the equivalent of a hillbilly <laughs> translating for English. That would be so cool. That'd be very interesting, right? It's like we were saying this morning how German is, well, at least you think German is a very ugly language. Yeah, but then you, because you associate it with, or I tend to associate it with the Nazis. Well, of course. Granted, I will give credit to Germany for at least acknowledging that its past was not the best. True. You know, Japan has never outwardly acknowledged their role in... The comfort women? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, there's still some beef about it today, amongst many other things. And apparently there's this one place named like Jeju Island or something like that, and it's constantly fought over. Is that the island that's constantly fought over by Korean and Japan just to see, you know, who actually owns the island? I don't know, but... I think it is Jeju Island, actually. I really want to go to... Have you ever seen pictures of Jeju? I've not, actually. It's beautiful. It's really, really pretty. We should visit sometime. It's really When we have nice. enough money. Yeah. Once we start making the big bucks. When we went to Korea, when I flew in from Seattle or, mm. you know, flew from LA into Incheon, right as we were descending into the airport, mm-hmm. we hit some turbulence. And so you can hear a collective, aya from the back of the plane. Right. That's funny, though. That seems, isn't aya like a Chinese? I think Koreans do it too, actually. Aigo. I mean, if you really think about it, they use Chinese numbers still for certain things. Right, they do. <sighs> Crap, and now we need to learn two more numbers. I know, it's very... And it's, <laughs> it's and what, too much. Also, tell me if I'm wrong about this. Why does it seem like in Korean, there are like 10 different words for every single object? I really don't know. Because you don't just have ant. You know, you have como or emo, depending on, you know, if it's the father or the mother's it's side. It's all based on the honorifics. Correct. And then, you and know, then there's and then there's nuna, hyung, is what you could say as a guy, but you can't say that as a woman right what is what's the female equivalent of like older brother older sister it's like oppa oppa is oh right which is interesting because like when you think about what oppa means uh kind of colloquially in the states it's like it's a daddy kind of thing like a yeah like a or like a boy that i like so daddy (laughs) yeah essentially but it it really is um older brother so y'all into incest and that's kind of nasty opa is for older brother for a girl but what's oh, it's on knee right for Ani, a girl yeah. yeah that's right awesome yeah it's like why there's got to be so many <laughs> very it, hard to keep up and then also egg there's dagyal or kieran depending on whether you say it's sino or korean for egg for egg yeah there's two different words that they use i love that <laughs> Yeah. And I like that in English, it's just egg. <laughs> oh, and also, um, it's funny that one picture you sent me from, I believe it was either subtle Asian or subtle mixed traits of a guy getting Kieran tattooed on his shoulder, and he was like, <laughs> it means bravery. And then as soon as I read that, and it was right after I learned the word, I, I looked at it and I go, did that guy get egg tattooed on his shoulder? You know what? 
I think I'm gonna do that too. Just get egg. Yeah, just egg. <laughs> you should have like Needs love. <laughs> no, you should have a picture of Danny DeVito and then have Tiaran right under it. Would you like a nice egg in this trying Time times? <laughs> but anyway, now we are at the best part of any big DK energy episode: the bonus question round. Yay! Yay! Are you ready, Hannah? I'm ready. Awesome. Question number one. What is your favorite color? Green. That's right. Yay. Yay. (laughs) So, Hannah, question number one. You're opening a skincare brand in Seoul. Which three K-drama actors are you choosing to promote the product? Okay, so, Rimi no. I'm pretty sure that's how you say his name, like, in Korean accent, but Lee Min Ho. (laughs) If you're just... English phoneticizing. Oh, God, I love him. I love him. What Um, was he in? He was in Boys Over Flowers. Um, he was in this one called Airs. I didn't like that one, but he he's big. He's huge. He was at the Innisfree Cafe, and you did like the VR headset, and it was him. Oh, I loved that. Cool. So him, Gong Yu. Oh wait, I have to only pick three. Mm-hmm. Gong Yu. Mm, I have to pick a woman. The one that was just in Squid Game. Okay, the North Korean one. Yes. Or the North Korean character. Okay, I forgot yes. her name. Me too, but I love her. I love her. It's not Mewtwo. Mewtwo. <laughs> awesome granted i don't know them as much as you do but i know you know them so that's why i asked you speaking of k-dramas number two you're the star of a k-drama series what is your show about it's gonna have all the tropes it's gonna have like the dead mom which would be realistic well that's very realistic actually yeah. <laughs> the dead mom i would want it to be like the most stereotypical k-drama so i'm a poor girl and i'm in high school and there are some cool rich boys who fall in love with me and i'm in a love triangle and then i would be with the first lead and then maybe have something with the second lead but ultimately end up with the first lead got it yeah i would want it to be as stereotypical as possible (laughs) i love that would you like throw a little bit of an american twist just to like switch things up or no okay Keep it as Korean as possible. As Korean as possible. I love it. Okay, number three. You're given a huge buffet, and if you don't eat it, you gotta pay for it. What three people are you having join you? Dan. (laughs) And me. (laughs) And I really think that's all we would need. For real. Well, you pick three people, so it's me and then two others. Myself doesn't count as one. No, because you are the fourth. Mina. Adam. (laughs) sorry josh (laughs) (laughs) we actually have korean cousins that live in virginia and you know we just want to shout them out we love you all very much number four this is a little bit different but i know you'll appreciate this since you are a big avatar fan as much as me what element would you bend okay i would want in a perfect world i would be fire but i feel like my personality is earth okay let's see stubborn sturdy not very flinching or unmoving okay i I can see that hard working (laughs) okay (laughs) that as well yeah no i'm definitely earth but i'd be like some i'd definitely be like on toff's toff is one of the more is one of the most badass characters Toph is cool as hell she invented her own kind of bending metal bending too that's kind of like revolutionized everything yeah and that allowed to transition into the world of legend of korra but we don't talk about that yeah we don't i don't know her number five speaking of that you're allowed a whole day with your favorite cartoon character. What is your itinerary? Well, who is it with first, and what is your itinerary? Mm. Like, they somehow are able to come into the real world. Okay, so now, I guess, because we're we're thinking about Avatar, I'd go oh, Iroh. Nice. I'd definitely bring Uncle Iroh, and honestly, I think we just, like, have, have some a tea? picnic. Yeah, like, with some tea, and I would just want him to, like, give me all his wisdom. What kind of tea are you having, though? That's a very important question. 
Jasmine. Very smart. Look at you. Number six, because of your little stent with Daddy DeVito, mm-hmm. you're in a band and you just booked a high up gig. Where are you performing and what instrument are you playing? I would play guitar and <laughs> I would be playing, I don't know, honestly, I don't really know venues. I'd be playing my apartment. <laughs> That's it? Yeah, just just a balcony apartment for everybody on Atlantic Avenue in Delray. Yep, and it would be the best show that anyone has ever seen. Excellent. Here, let me better word that question. So it doesn't have to be a venue per se, but would it be like in a different state, even a different country per se? I would love to just go to some crappy venue in New York. (laughs) That's really that's where I really really would like to play music. That sounds awesome. It's like you'd be you'd be living that school of rock lifestyle ish thing. Yeah, like I wanted to be as grime as possible. And, like, that's the kind of person I want to be, honestly. Awesome. Number seven. You're allowed to do a holiday photo shoot with the dogs. What holiday are you taking pictures for, and what is their funniest outfit? Christmas. Ellie is Santa. Milo is Rudolph. Not an elf, especially with his short legs? (laughs) No, yeah. You know, if we were going to do it like that, Ellie would definitely be Rudolph, and Milo would be elf. And I could be Santa. We have two Bernadoodles. Mini Bernadoodles. Mini Bernadoodles. A mini poodle and a Bernese Mountain Dogs mix. And they are two of the most adorable things on the planet. And Milo is a dwarf. Like a literal dwarf. And he has very tiny legs. And they're so cute. And it's so funny because he's like a full grown dog on a small dog's body. Big head. (laughs) Number eight. What's your favorite memory from Korea? Well, being at Emo's house was really nice. Um, In general, just anything over there was mm-hmm. my favorite even though like solo was really nice but probably when we went to karaoke that was such a fun time that was so fun i wonder why karaoke bars are not that much of a thing here i feel like that i don't know i, I feel like it's... if you if you go into like a drunk college town that's all they want to do right i mean that's all i want to do is like get trashed and sing karaoke in like a small echoey room also there's like no soju anywhere i know you probably have to order it off of amazon unfortunately i tried looking i don't think you can because there's no way to like confirm that's a shame i know number nine if you had enough money and could pursue a new hobby what would that be and let's just and assuming you have all the time in the world as well serious answer probably music okay like getting back into uh, guitar and everything like that Mm -hmm. yeah just like be some dirty hippie on the road and like (laughs) Just like, I don't know. Living that vagabond lifestyle? Yeah. You know, there is a part of me that would like to be like that and just like mess around and play guitar and be in a band and do all that kind of stuff. And you have a joke answer, I'm assuming, because you said serious answer. Serious answer, but could never do is just literally sit on my couch forever, even with all that money. Just like, chill. Just <laughs> like keep doing what I'm doing and sit on my couch. <laughs> instead of um, instead of taking a new hobby, you just take the money and run. Okay. You know what? Yeah. That's a very smart answer. I like that. Run away into the mountains somewhere where no one can find. This is my plan okay. for running away. No one's going to know when I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to resurrect a carrier pigeon. I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I will. Okay. And I will write a note to one singular person saying where I am. But that'll be like three years after I run away and I'll be like in my note, like this is where I'm located. You can find me here. That person will show up at that place, but I will be long gone. So you're just trolling them for three years. Yes. And so it has to be someone (laughs) who's very dedicated to finding me. And that's just going to be the name of the game for 
until I die, I guess. <laughs> okay. And that's <laughs> okay. Catch me if you can. That's an interesting hobby. I don't think I've ever heard that one. So really, well, no. nobody better steal it. None of your viewers. Just say TM. TM. Okay, you're good. Copyright that shit. <laughs> Number ten. What is one of your most favorite recent accomplishments? <laughs> this is gonna be stupid, but I made a freezer pizza. Really? Yeah, I'm a. I'm really afraid of the oven. It's so hot and like makes me uncomfortable, a little sweaty, and so I try. I I really like. I had a bunch of freezer pizzas and I never use them. I wait for someone to come over and make it for me. Mm-hmm. But I was just so hungry and like feeling a little brave, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna make this freezer pizza on my own, mm-hmm. and I did. I did burn myself. Oh, like immediately. Because I like I put my hand into the oven and I have really bad spatial awareness and I didn't realize I was touching oh. something hot, and so I did ruin myself. But oh. I, I ate that whole pizza and it felt really good. <laughs> was it yummy? It was really good. Yay! It's the little things. <laughs> also, this is actually a bonus question I just mm-hmm. actually came up with. Yay! If there's anybody having a mixed identity crisis. What advice do you have for them? I would say to try and connect with people who may be experiencing the same thing. Um, it's like, for example, you know, joining something like Subtle Mixed Traits on Facebook. Joining a community is, I think, really beneficial because it reminds you that other people experience the same thing and, you know, your feelings can be talked about and validated and it just it makes you feel less alone you know mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's what i did and i feel like that's been really helpful for both of us right mm-hmm. you think yeah so that's the advice that i would give is just you know find your people awesome in that case we are done with the bonus round and so we are actually at that point where we are wrapping up hannah i just want to say thank you i know you're very busy and i know you have your own life But thank you for taking some time to be on your brother's podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yay. So besides being my sister, just just having watched you grow up, I'm just so proud of everything that you've accomplished. You know, from putting up with, you know, bullshit in middle school and high school and having to go through a thesis while being annoyed with everyone that you went to college with. Right. Well, you know, at least 99%. And yet you're still you're still persevering and you're just thriving and i'm just so proud of you every single day thank you and that is why i think you hannah jean Carenter, have big dk energy yay burr, burr, burr. me with my <laughs> thank you very much brother of course hannah normally i would give out social media but you know my sister likes to lay low so if anything we're not going to do that however we are going to list um some of the skincare brands that she um mentioned just in case you want to take a gander for yourself and increase your visual beauty but that doesn't take away from your internal and then um if you could like comment subscribe share like i said whether it's one or a thousand i appreciate all of you and uh do you have to do you want to say anything before we head out real quick the three brands that i like Korean brands, Purito, Course X, and Claire's. Awesome. Dear Claire's. And yes, that's it. All right. And so if that's it, from all of us here at Big DK Energy, this is uh, DK signing off.